the Fitness Hacks Podcast, Episode 28. Today, we're joined by Andy Fawcett of GMB Fitness. Welcome to the Fitness Hacks Podcast by Redefining Strength. Breaking down fitness and the fitness business with some of the best names in the industry. And here are your hosts, Corey Lefkowitz and Ryan Heenan. We don't just put out a program because it's the hot new thing. We, we focus on the things that we're really good at. And the other one is we just really try to stay in touch with our people. You need to meet people where they're at and really listen to their goals so you can help them move from point A to point B. And I love that Andy really talks about, you know, making people responsible for their progress and helping them to take ownership and feel autonomous because we're more than just giving a program. We're really teaching people how to live a healthier lifestyle and reach their fitness goals. And Andy talks about progression and adaptation and making changes, and that's philosophy that not only applies to the fitness programs that they offer, but also how he approaches business at Gold Medal Bodies. And through the years, he's talked about growing and building a team and all the new challenges that arise that they have to overcome to keep putting out programs that are successful for people. So let's jump right into it with Andy. Today, we're joined by Andy Fawcett. Andy, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us about your background and your fitness journey and what led to your passion for fitness? Sure. Um, well, I started uh, from a young age doing martial arts, and that was really everything for me. Uh, I guess like every kid in America, uh, I saw Karate Kid when it came out, and I really wanted to be Daniel LaRusso. Um not so much at the beginning of the movie when he got his butt kicked all the time, but later on when he was cool and got the girl, like that's what I wanted to be. And uh, so I joined a martial arts class when I was seven. Um, I, I, I worked at it all the time. And from that point, I wanted to get stronger. I wanted to have better endurance. I wanted to have better flexibility. And especially when I got older and started teaching, I wanted to be able to learn how to help other people have more strength and flexibility and endurance. And I realized that, uh, there, there was a lot of, of uh, practical advice and experience out there from people that were training athletes and doing various kinds of, uh, you know, strength training and conditioning that hadn't been really used in martial arts before. So that was really my main thing is, you know, wanting to be a better martial arts teacher. And I, I took that and uh, connected with some other people. And that's kind of where we are now. And you're being very modest by not telling about how you were, what, the youngest world champion and a black belt before the age of 20? Well, I was not a world champion. I was I was in the world championships, and I was the youngest uh, competitor uh, in those world championships that year, uh, competing with adults. At uh, I was age sixteen, but I, I definitely lost in the first round. Uh, but I did make a lot of friends. So if there's like a medal for uh, like being a nice guy, I probably won that one. And I'm assuming you got the girl too, right? Because that's the most important win. <laughs> Yeah, not on that trip, but I, I did uh, several years later move to Japan and I met my wife there. So I think it all worked out. And so you talked about how, you know, you wanted to help people become stronger. You wanted to use some of the strength training things that you saw outside of martial arts to help people get stronger with the martial arts. What were those strength training methods that you began to learn? Well, you know, first, uh, you know, I remember I was uh, I was teaching at a university, teaching uh teaching martial arts at uh, Georgia Tech. And I had a lot of students that had never really done anything physical before. And one of the big things is they had a lot of trouble with flexibility. So I, I remembered uh, seeing this picture in the back of Black Belt magazine of a guy doing a split on chairs with a, a lady sitting on his legs. And I bought his book uh, by Tom Kerr's Stretching Scientifically, probably the uh, classic text of uh, you know, flexibility training. And I learned a lot from it. Uh, he actually goes into not just, you know, passive flexibility, but, you know, how strength is an important component of that. And it really, it was a good gateway to open my mind to the fact that it's not just stretching it. There's a lot of other things that go into that. And from there, I just started looking into all kinds of things. Uh, you know, I, I looked online for, for different stuff. Um, you know, I found websites like T Nation and, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. Uh, from there, I, I learned about uh, Pavel Zatzlin and all of the RKC kettlebells and all of these things. And I just started exploring and it opened my mind in a lot of different directions. And I would assume a lot of those different things that you learned help shape the philosophies that led to gold medal bodies, correct? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think it's important at that point to say that, 
Yeah, I have two partners at GMB. Uh, one is Ryan Hurst, uh, who is our head coach. And so a lot of what we do is based more on his background than mine. But uh, he came from a competitive gymnastics background, but also uh, was a martial artist and is still uh, has been for a very long time. Our other partner, Jarlo, is a physical therapist and also into martial arts. So martial arts is really the thing that we all kind of centered around, but we all come from different backgrounds and other things. So the the GMB philosophy, um, you know, we have baked into it uh, a healthy dose of that martial arts kind of idea that you you practice and you practice as perfectly as you can, because in real life, you're not going to have access to your best performance all the time. The times that you need strength, the times that you need flexibility are not going to be when you're warmed up or when you're ready or when you've got your good shoes on, you know? So that's one of the things that's really key to us. And a lot of it also comes from, uh, from Jarlo, uh, his physical therapy practice in that we really try to focus on assessing where each person is at and helping them learn how to adjust things to what's appropriate to them rather than just trying to mimic someone else's workout that might not be the right level. I think that combination provides a very unique perspective and take uh, when it comes to fitness. Can you actually take us down the journey from teaching at Georgia Tech to present day and where you are now with Gold Medal Bodies? Yeah, sure. I mean, I was I was teaching martial arts at the university and um, all all through the time that I was in college. And then I graduated and I did this thing called the JET program, which allowed me to move to Japan and teach English for three years. And um, that was really uh, a huge opportunity for me. I got to practice uh, more martial arts, you know, kind of in in the homeland of the art that I practice there and also get out of the country, learn a lot about all kinds of different things. Um, And I did move back to the U.S. briefly after that. But while I was there, I had kind of met Ryan and Jarlo online on some uh, on some fitness forums and stuff and had kind of uh, started you know, becoming friends with them. And I moved back to Japan uh, later and happened to be in the same town with Ryan in Osaka. And so we started training together. He had a small studio that he was teaching yoga and some fitness things with. I started working out with him. And from there, we started looking at, well, how can we, maybe we can start doing something together. I, I knew how to make websites from some other projects. And he was looking to kind of expand out of the Japanese market. And so we kind of thought that if we put our put our strengths together that I could help him learn to promote what he was doing online, find a larger market and uh, introduce these ideas to different people. And and that's really the thing is like, you know, we, we met up and made friends over martial arts and teaching and that kind of thing. But then we realized that we do have all these other, um, you know, competencies, you know, I, I had a lot of time that I had spent in classroom teaching that really helped me to be able to understand how to break information down in a way that people can can really get, even if they're not really, uh, let's say, fitness enthusiasts, but still understand the right way to do an exercise. Um, and we, we really just tried to put all these things together, and it developed over time, to be honest. It's got to be hard, though, sometimes working with partners. I know a lot of times when people go into business, they, they either are really gung-ho about working with someone else and then it kind of fizzles mm-hmm. or they're, they're all alone and they just want to go it all alone. They think the lone wolf is the right way. Right. What were some of the growing pains with working with two other partners? Well, I mean, we were kind of lucky at first because I think um, all three of us uh, were already kind of in our mid-30s at the time. So it, we weren't so young that we were were hot-headed about anything. And we knew that we were going to have to, we wanted to do things in a way that we thought was ethical. And we also had families. We knew that we, we had to take care of our families before anything else. So uh, I guess that we didn't have a lot of expectations of each other that were going to be like, you have to sacrifice everything for this company. So that was part of it. But we did have some growing pains, you know, um, in the beginning, we we weren't making a lot of money, you know, obviously, because we were just starting out. And so we weren't able to all just launch into this full time. And so I was the first one that got to do GMB close to full time. And it was really like four years into the company before Jarlo and Ryan were able to basically quit their other stuff. So we were all doing side work uh, for the first like three to four years uh, before we really kind of caught on with things and and got to the point where we were able to sustain that. And in the process, of course, there there's definitely been times that, you know, we've had, you know, personal conflicts come up. Uh, but we also, I guess, are kind of 
I guess, mature enough to realize that we we have personal relationships and we have business relationships and they don't all have to be on the same level. Sometimes, you know, if if well, sometimes we can just let things slide and know that, well, we're partners in this and whatever we think about what the other person said about what the other person did or whatever, you know, we don't have to agree on everything to be able to work together and and kind of pool our strengths. That's great that you were able to separate the personal from the business side of things. Mm -hmm. When you were developing GMB, I'm sure you had to decide how you were going to divide up the labor. How did you decide who was going to do what? Yeah, that that was something that was tough because in the beginning it was three of us and you know we were doing everything. And I, I'm sure anyone who's started a, a company as a you know as a solo entrepreneur too understands like you wear a lot of hats. Um, so we kind of just went with who was the best or the fastest at a particular thing at the time. Ryan uh, was much stronger and better at doing also all of the movements. So he just became the video guy. He became the guy that we we took pictures and videos of and he became the model for everything. Jarlo um, is really pretty good at writing, really good at breaking down information. He's he's a kind of a technical person, but also uh He's done a lot of work as a therapist working with people. So he's got a lot of empathy about how to how to how to put things in a perspective that people don't feel they're being attacked and how to how to write with tact. And so he did a lot of our writing and explanations of stuff in the early days. I was the guy that uh, understood, um, you know, how to make websites. And so I did all of the website building, all of the marketing and all of that. Uh, so that was the early kind of breakdown. Since then, you know, we've we've grown and we've been able to hire people to handle specific roles and and really do those a lot better than any of the three of us uh, could have managed. That's always ideal to hire people on to do stuff that you yeah. maybe isn't your strong point. Mm -hmm. How did you take the business from doing those odd jobs, those side jobs to something you could do full time? Well, I think the key is that you know, we knew we had good information and we knew we could make quality products and we were doing it and they were helping people. But we we knew it was good. Right. But we we never really thought that what we were doing was just great or we, we didn't know that had the potential to be great. And by great, I just mean, you know, like really life changing for people uh, on, a, on a massive scale. Um you know, we we really we listen to people when they they talk to us about like why they're doing a program or, or what they're having trouble with or what their goals are. And, um, you know, we we realized at a certain point, maybe like three and a half, four years into this, that uh, instead of trying to shoehorn ourselves into this fitness niche that, you know, oh, we've got to do an abs thing. Oh, we've got to do some diet stuff. Oh, we have to we have to talk about this because everyone does. We realized that you know, maybe we didn't have to do things. Maybe instead of just trying to shoehorn ourselves into fitness, we could expand that. And so today we, we actually like to, to call it physical autonomy, which, you know, it's a bit of a mouthful and it, it sounds like it's highfalutin words, but really it means the same thing. It's just that it's a little broader view. It, you know, fitness in a lot of ways, people seem to boil that down to like gleaming abs and protein shakes. And there's nothing wrong with those things at all. Right. But a lot of people have no desire to to ever get a six pack or, or don't believe it's possible for them to, but they still want to be able to do more with their bodies. Right. And so through, you know, talking to our clients and, and really trying to understand them, we found out that there was just a huge bunch of people out there that was a lot like us in the sense that they weren't just they weren't trying to be fitness models. They weren't trying to, you know, get ripped so they could get dates. And that's a whole that's a great market of people out there. But for us, we really connected with the people that just wanted to be able to do cool stuff, right? That wanted to be like feel like they were in control of their bodies rather than um, you know, I, I'm worried about doing this thing that looks fun because I might throw my back out or my knee might hurt or, you know, my neck is stiff or something. So autonomy became the key, and that was really kind of an epiphany for us. And once we started thinking of that, we rallied around that idea and put it at the core of stuff. And that was the turning point for us. That's when we thought to ourselves, okay, this can not just be good, but great. This can really change people's perceptions of what they can physically do and, and make fitness their own. So that, that was the thing. I think that's great advice for beginners, especially because you say that you're listening to your audience and giving them what they want, not mm -hmm. just putting out what you want to put out. Right.
Right. And and not just giving them everything they want, because some of the things that they think they want are, you know, are things that aren't necessarily healthy for them. You know, like I said earlier about like an appropriate level program, if a person is coming back from an injury and they they idolize a pro football player and want to copy that person's program, they're still they're in no position to try to do what that person is doing. Right. So we have to help you know them taper things and temper them, I guess, is a, a better word. Uh, to their own level. But yeah, we, we're listening to what they really want, not necessarily what they say they want sometimes, but the, the thing that they really, really are getting at. I love that GMB focuses on clients' goals. You, mm-hmm. you state that numerous times in all of your materials, you know, it's about focusing on your goals. And it's, if you do that, you're not doing what like clients think they want. You're actually giving them stuff that will move them forward. Right. When you're developing programs, when you're putting stuff out, what do you do sort of to create the programs that will get to the heart of these goals? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I, I think anyone who's made a program uh, before, and especially, Maybe a, a great example is if you try to make a program for yourself as somebody who understands a lot of things about fitness and is interested in it and learning, you know, you have all of these things that you study and you look into and you start trying to create the perfect optimal program for yourself. You think, all right, well, I've got to have some sort of like, uh, you know, joint mobility kind of thing in the morning. I got to I got to do some sort of stretching. Uh, I, I need I definitely need some strength work. I need some power and I've got to make sure that I, I get, you know, optimal power output too. Also endurance is really important. Can't leave that out. And then you've got this, like you end up with this monster schedule of like, you know, 24 hours a week of training. That's impossible to do. Right. So for us, when we make programs, the most important thing is we think of what is the stuff that we can cut out and we have to think, you know, what is, what is the end goal for the client? And it's, it's not just like they, Instead of making it like they lose X pounds or they can do X pull-ups or whatever, we try to make the end goal something that, well, we we really use the the words that our clients speak to us in is you know the the uh, the end goals are that they they uh, they feel comfortable you know moving around on the ground on their hands and feet, or uh, you know they feel like they are are strong enough to do anything they want to do all day, and we. We start looking at these these kind of these goals that sound vague, but if we put them into the context of an individual person, we can get a lot more out of them. And we we start looking at those things and how we can move people towards that, not necessarily create the ultimate program or or get them to a certain result, but just move people in the right direction and cut out all the stuff that doesn't serve that goal. Um cut out all of the, you know, undulating periodization for beginners, right? They don't need that. Um, you know, cut out anything that's just superfluous or, or excess and really focus on giving people the feeling that they are in charge of their their workout, their training session, that they are making progress that is appropriate to them and that they are enjoying making it a part of their lives. And if we can if we can give them those three things and still move them forward at whatever level they're at or whatever particular goal they're working towards, then I think a program is successful. I think with saying that, a lot of what you said almost goes against the standard American fitness attitude in the view. Mm. Do you think that moving to Japan helped influence kind of this mind shift or mindset shift to be able to shape goals in a different way with your programs? Well, I think. I think maybe, maybe, and it might just come back to a martial arts thing too, because, you know, in martial arts, um, you know, we, we never talk about mastering something in martial arts because there's always somebody stronger or there's always further to, to go or more to practice. Right. And so in fitness too, like you, you have a lot of like short-sighted goal-based stuff. Like I've got to lose 15 pounds by my cousin's wedding in April. And, and that's, I mean, I get that there's nothing wrong with that, but what happens after April? You know, and that's where I really think that things tend to be a lot short sighted. And so we're trying to give people something where they can just start taking steps and and keep going and, and make it something that, you know, is part of their lives. I I don't know if that really flies in the face of like everything that fitness is about, but I, I think it does fly in the face of the way fitness is marketed most of the time. I think most trainers have have really good intentions and want to genuinely help people. You know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm I'm trashing what people, uh, you know, tell their clients because I'm definitely not. I think anyone who's training people probably is really trying to do a good job by them. But we, we get we get stuck thinking that we have to talk about what we do 
in in these particular terms that are probably misleading. But I think you're also pointing out that, you know, we do want to lose weight. Some people might want to have six pack abs. Some people might want to do a gnarlier workout. Mm -hmm. But at the heart of everything, the real reason why is we want to move better and feel better in everyday life, Mm -hmm. which is why I like that GMB has, you know, body control as one of its main focuses, because that can help you get six pack abs. It can help you lose weight. I constantly tell my clients, you know, what you, if you set goals in the gym to, you know, do more pull-ups or improve your mobility or do any of these things, the weight loss will come too. Mm -hmm. So I think you have such a great focus on the physical aspect that it it really does sort of permeate every aspect of life. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely all connected and you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to do intense workouts and getting off on that. You know, I, I think that's, fantastic for people that can be into that kind of thing. But I also know that it intimidates a lot of people too. Um, and it's just got to be that that's the, the thing that the person chooses. Yeah. But yeah, control is, is key because control is where you start learning yourself. Control comes from, from self-knowledge. You, you can't control your body if you don't have a sense of where it is. And I think, like you said, it does permeate other things. What, what you train the body to do, you're also training your mind to focus its attention on. And, and being able to do that lets you, you know, focus your attention on other things and, and see, you know, maybe how, how do you want to prioritize your, your training versus other aspects of your life this month? And how will that balance shift next month? Because, you know, there's no perfect program that you have to follow until you die. All these things, they, the balance is always shifting. I totally agree. And, you know, going back to what you said about how you finally, you know, took GMB to a full-time business because you found the physical autonomy to focus on, you know, a lot of trainers think, you know, I have a great program. I have a great idea. I can really help people with this, but taking that great idea and actually making it a sustainable business that, you know, you don't have to do side work with is really hard. How did you guys take that idea and build the globally recognized brand that you have today? Well, um, you know, it, it took a lot of time, you know, it's, it's been, it's been over six years to get to where we are now. Uh, so, I mean, it's definitely not like an overnight success kind of thing. Uh, but when you do start to get traction, it's compounding, right. And there's an acceleration that, that sort of happens if you're doing it right. So, I mean, I, I definitely want to say that anyone who's starting out, it will feel like a slow grind in the beginning, unless you're just incredibly lucky. Um, but things that we've done that have helped it come along have been, you know, focusing on being honest with people, uh, being ethical. Uh, and, you know, I know that sounds really boring, but it, it's really true is that we never teach anything that we're not qualified to teach. We don't just put out a program because it's the hot new thing. We, we focus on the things that we're really good at. And the other one is we just really try to stay in touch with our people. Uh, one of the ways we do it is by you know, we try to collect email addresses from people that come to our website, because if we don't have a way to contact them, then we can't get in touch when we have something new to share with them. And also, when we have a new program, we don't have a way to market to them. So, you know, you can go overboard, you know, spamming people and, you know, sending them crazy stuff, which, you know, you definitely don't want to do. But being able to, you know, grow an email list, learn to communicate with them, um, you know, through that medium, uh, that was important for us. I don't think it needs to be email in, in this particular day and age. You know, there's a lot of different ways that you can communicate with people, but pick one thing that you're going to focus on and learn to communicate with your, your clients through that. If it's Instagram and if you're always looking at, you know, how people engage with your, your pics and your videos and seeing which ones do well and seeing what kind of questions you get and responding to DMs or whatever that's fine if that's how you're learning to communicate with people and learning from them and and sort of honing your connection with your audience because that i think that's the key is is learning to connect with your audience because when you do that they're not going to be upset when you send them an email they're not going to be upset when you when you uh you know post an ad on facebook they're not going to be upset because they want to hear from you and they like what you're doing Um, but if you do that without the connection people are going to think it's garbage and trash and it's annoying I think that's a great point. And I think a lot of times people think they have to reach people on every platform, whether it's Facebook, YouTube, social media, email marketing. I love the fact that you say pick not only what you're good at, but also what your audience connects the most with. Yeah. It's kind of a chicken or the egg question. But when you decided, did you say, hey, we're going to be more video heavy? Hey, we're going to do email marketing? Or did you listen to your audience more? Or did you just decide based on, hey, this is what we think will work best? Mm. Um. 
So in the beginning, uh, it, it was a little arbitrary because um, I knew that I, I, I'm a pretty okay writer. I'm a pretty good copywriter. I had done a little bit of marketing study. And so, you know, I figured based on that strength that it would be a good way for us to go. But also, you know, video was a big part of that, too. I mean, we, we would use, you know, emails to send people to the videos um, you know, we're, we're not just hoping that YouTube promotes our stuff, you know, so using, using things together worked, but it, it was a bit of, you know, our own competencies and, you know, we branched out from there, but we, we started pretty focused on that. I like that you also pointed out that you have to be ethical. I think people think, you know, I just have to get a program out there. It doesn't matter what it is. And it really is about building a connection with your audience and giving them programs that will truly help them succeed because that's what keeps them coming back for more. When you developed your programs, you know, what was the process like that first time? Because sometimes it's, it's not as easy as it seems to find that perfect program that's actually going to give your clients the results they want. Not that the program itself isn't good, but just getting it into the right hands. Right. Well, so our first program that we created for GMB was called Rings One, and this was back in uh, 2010. And uh, at that point, we really thought that a fitness product, like a, a really high class fitness product, looked like DVDs in a book. So we we put it out that way at first. Uh, the digital stuff came a few months later, but um, we really put it together based on um, we had been kind of getting feedback from people, starting to put videos up. And we found out that a lot of people were really interested in uh, some of the gymnastics stuff that Ryan had done. Now, he hadn't done gymnastics in like almost 20 years by that point, but he had been a very uh, competitive gymnast all through school until uh, a training injury kind of took him out of that. But he started getting back into into practicing it. People started seeing him do handstands and think, oh, that's cool. I want to learn to do that, too. So we started teaching these things and we put our first program together Um for gymnastic rings training at the time, there were not any, uh, there, there were like maybe two or three things out there that even referenced, uh, gymnastic rings. There was, uh, there was, uh, a video of, uh, Jordan Yolchev, who is a multiple Olympic gymnastics medal winner, um, which is obviously way out of the league of your average fitness enthusiast, right? So, and there, there were a couple other things, but they were focused more on gymnastics. And what we found is that a lot of people wanted to use rings to get strong, but they didn't want to take up gymnastics. Uh, you know, like CrossFitters, they use rings for a lot of things and they wanted to get good at muscle ups. So we're like, okay, let's make a program that starts from the very basics, assumes no gymnastic uh, experience, and takes someone as far as muscle-ups and stops. And that's that's how we got the idea and where, where we decided to sort of, you know, stake our claim on that that portion based on what people were telling us they wanted. And you knew what people wanted because you were putting out all this free content. You guys have, you know, videos up, blog posts up, you have all this free content. And so often trainers new to the industry are so afraid to share their content thinking, well, if I share all my good stuff, people aren't going to keep coming back. But you guys have tutorials on everything and you're really trying to connect with people like via this free stuff so that you can bring them in for programs that are going to progress them from point A to point B. Yes, absolutely. Um, You know, and we, we put a ton of videos out in the beginning that we don't do anything related to that at all. And here's a great thing about videos is you can always take them down. You know, if you, if you put up videos and you find that they don't resonate and don't work and that's not the direction you want to go, you always take them back down. You can do the same thing with a blog post. You know, you, you can change what's out there if you want to change it. But we, we mostly just started putting things out to see what you know, see what people connected with and to show them that we were good teachers. Because if someone, if someone finds our programs, um, you know, there's other programs out there, why would they choose our stuff? And there's a lot of reasons that they might, but one of them is because they can see that we're, we're thorough teachers and that we are looking at ways, uh, looking at things in a perspective that resonates with them. So when somebody comes and looks at one of our uh, tutorials on our website, we could do the same we could do the same pistol squat tutorial as everyone else and say step 1 do a squat step 2 lift a leg and squat down onto something step 3 squat onto something lower you know we could do that same like bullet list of five things that there's a thousand of those out there already 
Or we could say, let's look at this from a different angle. What about the people that lack the ankle mobility to balance at the bottom of a pistol? How do we help them? How do we help them get out of that bottom position? And we explain around this. We explain, you know, why someone might need this other method, why this thing that everyone else talks about is great, but it might not work for, for you. So if it doesn't work for you, here's another thing you can look at. And what we're really doing is we're just adding all this context that lets people tell whether or not they resonate with it, whether or not they like our perspective, if it, if it fits them or not. So all of our content, I think we're, we are trying to show that we're good teachers and everything, but we're also trying to let people decide uh, whether or not they want to follow our stuff. Cause they, so they might look at it and say, yeah, I'm, I'm too advanced for this. Or they might look at it and say, wow, this is something that I'm not interested in. I just want to lift heavy stuff, you know, and that's fine. But we, we have to put that out for people to be able to make an informed choice. And you're taking a creative look at, you know, common problems out there and giving people new things to think about. And that's also what's really important. So often as trainers, you know, we we get very caught up in doing things one way and we don't explore and experiment and see how else we can solve problems because each client that comes to us is going to be really unique with, you know, different background, different situation, different experiences that are going to influence their fitness journey. Yes. Yeah, it, it's really important. Um, to do that. And it's hard if you're trying to create a program online that's for a lot of people. But, you know, we also try to make sure that we we show people, you know, how to tell if you're doing it with good form, how to tell if you should, you know, add more reps or make it more difficult or how to tell if you need to make it easier. And we're, we're really trying to tell people, teach people how to be aware of themselves during the training so that they can learn what's working and what isn't because if you're just trying to follow along with a video and do like 20 reps because the guy on the screen is doing 20 reps but you don't know if you're doing it right that's not very helpful and that's that's how people get on the wrong track and get injured and stuff so yeah we it's like you said everyone's different and it's really hard to make something that is going to be right for everyone. Each client is a little different. And so you can't get, you can't get uh, tied down to one answer. You have to leave a little bit in there that, that lets it be adjustable for us. We center that around uh, teaching them to be, you know, self-aware of, of all these factors. Um, but you know, there's other ways to approach that too. I'm sure. You're empowering and teaching and you're making them take control of their own fitness because what it really does come down to is being very present when you work out. I mean, as you mentioned earlier, you know, no practice is going to be perfect. So you have to sort of practice in imperfect situations. You have to, you know, take each time you're in the gym, each time you're working out, wherever you're working out and be very present in it and really analyze what's going on with your body. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely important. Um, you know, I don't even like listening to music when I work out. I know a lot of people do, and that's that's fine. You know, but um, again, that's kind of a martial arts thing. Uh, you 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 listen to the sounds around you. You you like you listen to you know how loud your feet are on the floor. If your feet are making loud sounds, then it means that you're not controlling your weight distribution properly. You know, little things like that. I think that if you can learn to to notice those those things and be aware of you know where your pinky is you know or you know little things like that it's going to it's going to teach you more about your body and it coming back to that control aspect than you know than just doing one more rep another rep is great if you're looking for you know uh more strength or more conditioning depending on you know what variables you're manipulating in your programming but sometimes just really feeling you know, if, even if you're doing like a bar, a, a dumbbell curl, really feeling the feel of that, that bar in your, in your hand, you know, and, and noticing what your feet are doing, you know, how are you bracing against the bench as you, as you do that barbell curl, right? You know, all of these little keys of awareness are things that most people probably don't pay much attention to, but if you do, uh, it becomes a richer experience. And I think that over time, that teaches people a lot about themselves and a lot their uh, a lot about their bodies that they're they're not going to get if they're not attentive. And I think that's a hard mindset shift to make, especially in society today with how fast paced it's going. And it's almost like get in the workout as quickly as you possibly can so you can get on to the next thing. But that's really shifting that focus to paying attention and being in the moment. Yeah, and it's hard. And, you know, like I said, I think that's part of it that it, it's not right for everyone at every time. I think that there's a certain kind of person at a certain time in their life that is going to resonate with that approach. Um or many certain types of people, uh, to be honest. But, you know, if if you really are in a time 
uh, a time starved situation and you really do have only 15 minutes and you really do need to you know get the maximum calorie burn in that time or something well then you know for you at that point in your life that might be the best way to do it but um you know, it's not always going to be like that for everyone. And so I think that there again, it's that thing that we we seem we tend to think that there's one answer for fitness uh, and it's one quality that fitness is one thing. But, you know, we all know that fitness means a lot of different things to different people. And so, you know, different approaches are going to make more sense at different to, to different kinds of fitness that people want. That might be my f- uh, favorite quote of the day, that fitness <laughs> isn't one thing. It's lots of things because we do sometimes get very close perspective. You know, someone sees something weird and they're like, oh, that's weird. That's stupid. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But if you were more open, sometimes using the things that you learn, even if it's maybe not right for you at that moment, it can shape your fitness journey along the way and get you better results than if you're closed minded thinking there's only one thing out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you don't want to just go all shiny object syndrome and pick up whatever fancy thing you see every uh, every 30 seconds. But, you know, and the basics are definitely important, you know, but yeah, being able to to know what what you're trying to get out of it and to see to see the value in something that might be a little different uh, and explore, you know, ex- exploration is is I mean, that's part of what life is about, right? Like, why are we here if not to experience things and learn from them and, you know, like live and love and lose and all of this, right? That's, it's the, it's the meaning of life. So I think it's the meaning of training too, in a lot of ways. So speaking of the meaning of life and living and loving and losing, <laughs> you're, you're, you're excited to hear where this is going, right? <laughs> right. It got deep. <laughs> Can you take us through sure. a typical day in your life now that the GMB is established, you know, it's been around. What do you, what does a typical day for you look like? Well, for me, um, so I, I am the CEO of the company. So my work looks a little different from some of the people, other people in the company, but, um, I, I get up pretty early. Um, I live in Hawaii, uh, which is glorious, um, because I don't like wearing jackets, so I can't live any place cold. Um, but I, I get up around, you know, six or so most mornings, about an hour, I'll, I'll read and kind of stretch out and just kind of relax and, you know, maybe do a short meditation, but, you know, nothing fancy. Um, you know, and some days I'll just probably, you know, take out my phone and like look at Facebook. It, it really depends. But, you know, I kind of decompress by myself. Then my daughter and wife wake up and, uh, you know, we my daughter is four and a half. We, we, you know, watch some cartoons and eat breakfast and get her ready to go to school. And uh, so we we have a a great school that's within walking distance. So we walk together and and drop her off. And then my wife and I will have some coffee. And, um, you know, it sounds at this point like I live a life of leisure. But at that point, then I'll go and I'll go to work. And I I have a little office here that I come and I'll sit down. And I basically my my biggest role is that I make myself available to the team at GMB. And I I try to help everybody, you know, um, when when you are. Uh, the boss or leader of a company with more than like five people, your actual role is you you don't work for the clients as much anymore. You end up, you work for your staff. And that's kind of where I am right now that I work for my team to help make their jobs better so that they can work for our clients and, uh, and do the things that they need. And so most of my day is spent, you know, uh, messaging, um, you know, sometimes on the phone, talking to people, um, you know, maybe writing emails and things like that. So it's mostly desk bound kind of stuff, which, which gets tough, but, uh, you know, I'll take walks. I try to take one or two walks a day and then, um, about four o'clock or so I'll go, uh, home and, uh, my daughter will be done with school by then I'll swim with her at our pool. Um, and then we'll have dinner maybe play a little bit more, read some books, and then it's bedtime. And then after she goes to bed, then I continue uh, reading and and have a little bit of bourbon and then go to bed myself pretty early, actually. Yeah. So not very exciting lifestyle, but, you know. (laughs) That's very exciting. You get to relax, enjoy, spend time with family and work doing something you love. Yeah, You had me at Hawaii. (laughs) I mean, it, it's what works for me now. I mean, you know, in, in the past, I, I had to spend a lot more time working, right? There were there were times earlier on where I was spending 14 hours a day just at my computer, you know, editing videos, writing emails, making a web page, you know, designing a, a program on our website, you know, trying to, you know, work out a campaign or whatever, you know, all of these things take a lot of time. Um, but now we're at the point where we have 
we have a lot of people doing these different roles and there's a, a lot better division of labor. So it's more more of what I do is orchestrating now. And it is nice. It's great that I, I have a situation where, you know, I can live anywhere in the world that I want to and still do this because we're all we're all in different places. We're all online. Um, it's fantastic that I have time for my family now, um, you know, but, you know, I still have a, a workaholic nature and sometimes I, I want to do some stuff on the weekend, too. But uh yeah, I, I guess it really just depends on, on what kind of stuff you're into. A lot of people want to be more active. I, I like to keep things pretty chill and low key. I think I mentioned reading twice during my day on average, and I did not mention working out. So that's probably an indication of where I'm at right now. <laughs> we all go through phases, too, where things are just right at different times. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I'm sure as it, it gets a little closer to summer and I want to be more active and do do things with people, you know, I'll probably start uh, doing more training at least like two or three times a week with some strength training and some some mobility and movement and stuff and, uh, you know, shift shift things a little bit. But the basic outline of the day with work and my daughter's school and family meal times, like that's the stuff that's important to me right now. Since my daughter's so young, I don't want to be, you know, throwing a lot of uh, a lot of inconstant changes at her. I, I really like our routines. I like our time together. Uh, I like I like spending time with my daughter and my wife and, and just making sure that that is what I try to center uh, most of my free time around. Plus, you're in hibernation during the very cold winter weather. So, you know, no working out. Uh, these frigid 70 degree nights are killing me. I have to ask about the process from going doing a lot of the daily tasks when it was just really the three of you to now managing a staff. What were the growing pains? What was the process like to go from doing that daily stuff, which I can tell it's going to be a, a good story right here right now. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, it's 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 been a long process. I mean, we made our first hire right at the end of 2000. 10, our first year in business. And what it really was is we were launching our second program and these emails were coming in. And I realized that my my gut response to some of these emails were not very friendly. You know, people are people are paying like $90, $95 at that point for a program and they can't download their files. Of course, they're going to be irate. But I get an email and I'm like, come on, you idiot, just download it, right click, you know, and I'm like, all right, that's not the right way to treat people. So um, <laughs> I knew that we needed somebody else to do client support, like ASAP. And luckily, I found a girl uh, locally here that um, I, I had talked to a couple times, and she had some talent, uh, was really sweet and was starting to try to look to do something online. So we, we brought her on to do that. Um, and that was actually a pretty easy hire because I didn't want to be doing client support. Um, you know, but then at different points, it's always a struggle between being able to afford someone and, uh, you know, how much you can afford and how much help you need. Right. Um, at every, our, our very first few hires, it was always like, okay, we're going to have to take a leap of faith and hope that this person can help us generate their salary within the next two months, you know? Like if I'm going to pay somebody like a thousand dollars a month for, you know, some part-time help with something that thousand dollars has got to come out of somewhere. And so we, we were close and we were tight. Um, but, uh, every time that we did take that leap of faith, um, most of them have turned out well. And it, it's really a matter of just looking at how, how you, how much money you can spend finding people that are flexible in the beginning because in the beginning you can't afford to hire a full-time uh video editor you know um but you can afford to hire somebody that is flexible and that especially if they if they're adaptable and that's really what we did is we looked for people that were were learners people that want to learn more things uh people that have a passion for trying to to learn and we especially uh lucked out because we started recruiting from our client pool um so most of the people that work for our company uh started out as clients of gmb and so they already knew what we were about and they they were already believers you know and they they wanted us to succeed and um you know, gradually just giving them more autonomy, more responsibility and, and being able to pay them better as we went along, you know, uh, and in the beginning with three people, it was very easy to communicate when we added a fourth, it got a little more challenging, but it wasn't that bad. 
But when we added five, six, seven, well, you know, in group dynamics, you know, you the number of uh, relationships increases exponentially as you add people to it. Right. So now we have 21 people on staff and there's there's just I don't know how many actual relationships that adds up to a lot. So it gets more complex. And so you have to be conscious of, um, you know, what kind of humor is appropriate. You have to be conscious of, uh, you know, not leaving someone out. You have to be conscious of making sure that you're respecting people's time and that you're, you're, you know, helping people communicate in the best way that's healthy. I mean, I, I guess that's not really, it's not really a satisfying how to kind of answer, but it's, it's just, over time, as you bring people gradually on, you know, keep it flexible and and then gradually increase things to the degree you can. You have to have faith that if you find the right people um, and give them some responsibility, that they will help you. It will it will have a positive ROI in the long run. And if you don't think it'll have a positive ROI, then that's not the right person, you know, Um and then it's just a matter of group dynamics. You know, there's a lot of things that come up in, in groups, uh, you know, professional or otherwise. You just have to really pay attention to. I think that's a fantastic answer. And I mean, I think anyone who's been in that situation can definitely definitely relate to that where you're answering support emails and mm-hmm. you're almost taking them personally. Oh, yeah. When someone can't, you know, figure out how to do do something easy. But there is that shift where you know that you can be utilized better doing something else. Yeah. What I took away from your answer was that you realized that and you were able to implement the steps to improve your process to make it better for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's just so many things that, uh, you know, we can learn to do. Like in the very beginning, I knew I could learn how to set up a business and, and do our taxes and everything. But I also knew that if I spent the time learning that, then it would take away from being able to, you know, make our product and sell it. So I hired an accountant at the very beginning because I was like, you know, I would much rather pay you than me try to spend the time and get this wrong. So, yeah, it's like that on a bigger level uh, as you go along. And, you know, we all, nobody no Well, some people do want to fix their own brakes. Right. And some people do want to, you know, do do a lot of home repairs for themselves. But most people you know, if you have uh, if you have a problem with your your plumbing, you call a plumber, right? And it's the same thing in business. You you need to eventually, uh, you know, understand that there's somebody that can learn how to do this better than than you can, so that you can go on about the things that you do exceptionally well. You know, taking your strengths and playing to them and focusing on them, but knowing enough about the overall business that you can hire on those right people. And I know you mentioned it's not a satisfying how to, but these things rarely are. They're more you have to have certain philosophies in place. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for us, the main thing is learning. And ideally, they understand GMB uh, because we're we're not like a, a lot of fitness companies. So um, if they have those two things, I think that most most of the people that have those are, are going to have some potential. So yeah, that's, that's our, that's our core. And I think that's, that's a good thing. Like you said, if you know, like what's the core thing that you're trying to, to get out of a hire, then that's really important. So piggybacking a little bit on that last question, where is the future for GMB? Um, so yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, we, we have a couple people that we still need to hire. Um, but our, our team is, is really pretty good right now. We really want to continue improving our product. And by that, I mean, uh, right now we're really looking at our, our program interface. When somebody logs onto our website, you know, how that looks and feels. Uh, is it a smooth, seamless process to, you know, access their program and know what the next workout is? And does the video look really good? Are all the videos consistent? Um, do we always use the same terminology? These are like little details, but you know, as we've made programs over six years and granted, we have updated the older ones several times in that period. But as we continue adding things and as we learn and grow, then the way we describe things changes, too. So we have to then go back and improve that. So one of the big things is uh, this year we're going to be probably completely refilming all of our programs. We're rebuilding uh, most of our website over the next several months. Uh, we're doing a lot of things like that. And so we're really just we're we're reinvesting all of our time and all of our energy and everything that we've learned um, into improving what we have for our clients so that they can then go get better results and tell every single person they know how amazing GMB is. 
It's great that you're going back through things because I think often people, you know, put out a program, put out a product, put up a website, think, oh, I'm done. I never have to go back and do it again. It's not like that at all. It's constantly a process where you're going to be improving because you're going to learn more. And if you're not learning more, then you have other issues. All right. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. So now we're going to transition into my favorite segment of the show, which is the wrap up but also the Fast Five Fitness Facts, where we're going to give you five questions and you can give us your best answers. Are you ready? Yep. So question number one, what is your favorite exercise? Uh, My favorite exercise is backflips. And what exercise do you love to hate? Pull-ups. And what is the best book you've ever read? Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace. All right. So now I'm I'm kind of afraid to ask you this next question because I know you said you didn't work out with music, but what is your favorite pump-up song? (laughs) Um, I could get pumped up for a variety of things. Uh, I really like anything by Wolfpack lately. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Adrian and Adrian happened to Bossa Nova. That is a great song. And if you could train with one person, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Uh, so this, you know, since I'm a martial artist, it has to be, uh, a man named Seiken Shikumene who, uh, created the martial art I practice called Taito. Um, and he died about 15 years ago. And, uh, I, I only got to practice with him when I was very young, uh, a couple of times. So I would love to train with him again. And one more Andy Fawcett exclusive. Sure. The best pokey on the <laughs> islands. <laughs> oh man. You know, I, I'm not a connoisseur of food. I love eating food, but I would say the best poke is the pokey that is sitting next to you on the beach with a cold beer. <laughs> that's a, that's the best answer ever, I think. <laughs> I was certain you were going to get an exclusive question that was going to ask you your favorite cartoon since you watched them with your daughter. Uh, too Next much question. Dora. <laughs> What's your favorite cartoon? <laughs> uh, um well, actually, the past week, she's been watching a Nightmare Before Christmas over and over. So that's been nice. That's a treat. Yeah. Andy, can you tell our listeners where they can follow up and find more information about you and GMB? Sure. I mean, gmb.io is our website. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of information there. Uh, there's, you know, free workouts you can download. We have like dozens of tutorials and stuff. And, and you, if you want to just learn about like how we do what we do, gmb.io slash method kind of talks about sort of what we do that's different, but just go to our website and poke around. I mean, I could probably send you to a specific thing and say, buy this, but I, I really, I hope people just go and poke around and find what's interesting to them. Thank you so much for joining us today, Andy. Absolutely. Thank you guys. This was, this was an excellent chat. Thanks for listening to the Fitness Hacks Podcast by Redefining Strength. For the show notes and more episodes, visit redefiningstrength.com.